The following audio is from Fellowship Church in Nederland, Texas. Our mission, to love God, love others, and make disciples. For more information about Fellowship, visit fellowshiptx.org. So this morning we're starting a new series, and I'm very excited to start this new series, Move 2021. You may have seen the poster in the foyer, some graphics shared online. Uh, This is going to be a several-week deal for us. Um, It's going to be a little different than what we've been doing. Uh, Typically, I like to preach through a book of the Bible and go passage by passage by passage. But what we're going to do for the next few weeks is we're going to be preaching text, obviously, but we're going to be talking a little more topical. And so um, we're going to be talking about moving in 2021 as a church. And my prayer is that we'll be casting a little vision and spur a little something in our hearts, spur a little revival in our hearts, get us passionate about what we're supposed to be passionate about. Amen? All right, so... Uh, several years ago, before, I think it was even before we had kids, Beck and I were uh, at home and we had this dog. Uh, and those of you who uh, can relate, when you're newly wed, um, you, you, you get a dog to try to prolong the kid thing, right? You're like, let's, let's, get, let's start with a dog, see how we do. If the dog survives, then maybe, we could, maybe we'll be okay with the kid, right? So we got a dog and it was a basset hound, which... Those are disgusting, by the way, but uh, she was our baby. Like, we would take her to Dairy Queen to get her own ice cream. Like, she was our child. She, she was in the house a lot. Um, she would sleep in the bed sometimes, uh, which today I cannot relate to that any, at all anymore. I have four kids. I don't have time for dogs in the bed or in the house at all. Uh, but, but back then, uh, you know, we, we had this dog, and she was our baby. And one day, uh, you know, we would play with her or whatever, get her all riled up when she was a puppy. And one day, uh, I got up to mess with her and sometimes I would just take off running and she would chase me through the house and bark with that loud, you know, basset hounds had that real deep bark. She would bark and chase me. And so this particular day I jump up and I, I, I just have socks on and I take off running. You ever seen like the cartoon where the person like runs in place for a long time? This is exactly what happened. I'm running in place for like, it felt like 30 seconds. Like I just couldn't get traction. And then all of a sudden it was just like, wham, I fell to the ground. <laughs> And it hurt really bad. I feel like if I, that happened today, I would be down for the count. Like they just had to put me down and I'd be out. Um, but yeah, I just out of nowhere fell. It was not a pretty sight. I laid there for a long time moaning and crying. And Becca just laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and never felt sorry for me. Um, it still causes marital troubles today, but we'll get past it. Uh, actually, literally, sometimes she'll just start laughing. I'm like, what are you laughing at? And she's like, remember that one time when you were running in place and fell? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I hate running. Can anybody relate to that? You hate running? I mean, yeah. Why would you run unless someone was chasing you, right? Um, I really particularly hate running on a treadmill, right? Because you're not going anywhere. Who wants to run for 30 minutes and never go anywhere? That's, that's miserable, right? I hate that. And uh, I feel like that's how God's people can be sometimes, right? Where we, we're running in place, we're doing all the things, right? We've got the Bible studies, we've got uh, the potlucks, we've got the kids' events, the youth events, the missions banquets, the small groups, the large groups, the worship bands, the media teams. We do it all, right? Programmatically, we have everything for everyone, right? Like churches are known for having programs and having stuff for for everyone, and, and we exert so much energy, so much energy, so much time, but the question that I have for us this morning is have we made any progress, We've done a lot of running, done a lot of work, but have we made any progress? We shouldn't just be making the exertion of energy, but we should have an effective movement. The gospel and the commission that Jesus gave us 
is not to run in place. You understand this more? The, the commission that we've been given is not to just run in place and do all the church things. The commission that we've been giving is to be an effective movement that causes people to look to the person of Jesus and want to surrender their lives to him. That's what we've been called to be and that's what we've been called to do. And so in our text this morning, Jesus sets out an expectation that the Christian faith is all about movement. It's all about movement. It's all about progress. So let's take a look. John chapter 20, verse 19 If you have a Bible, you can flip there. John chapter 20, verse 19. Here's what it says. It says, when it was evening on the first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, he stood among them, and he said to them, peace be with you. Having said this, he he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord, and Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. All right, so first thing I want to point out this morning is this, that an experience with the resurrected Jesus brings boldness. An experience with the resurrected Jesus brings boldness. Look at verse 19. It says, when it was evening on that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and he says to them, peace be with you. And having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And so the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. So let's imagine this scene together, all right? The disciples are gathered. The doors are locked. They're afraid. They're powerless. Jesus has died. He's been buried. And unbeknownst to some of them, he has risen again. Here's a moment where he reveals himself to them, right? And here they are, afraid, shaking, hiding in a room, locked doors. This is a very different picture than what we see in Acts 4, right? We just went through the book of Acts. Peter and John in Acts 4 are preaching boldly at Pentecost, right? They've preached boldly at Pentecost. They've healed some people. They've done a lot of ministry. And then they get arrested And we find them in Acts 4 standing before some Jewish leaders, the same people in our text this morning they're hiding from, right? They're hiding with doors locked. Acts 4, this is some time later, something's changed, right? Look at the text in uh, verse 19 of Acts 4. It's going to be on the screen. Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide, for we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. Now, This is crazy to me, right? Because just a a little bit earlier, they're locked in a room afraid, right? They're terrified of what the Jewish leaders can do to them. And then we find them a little bit further in the Bible. They're standing before the same Jewish leaders preaching the gospel boldly and they get arrested and they look at them and say, look, you guys want us to stop preaching, but here's the reality. We cannot stop telling people what we've heard. We can't stop telling people what we've seen. We will not stop, so you do what you gotta do. You gotta kill me, kill me. You wanna beat me, beat me. You do what you gotta do, but I'm going to continue to proclaim this gospel because my life has been radically changed by it. That's what they're saying. And so what changed? What changed is they had an experience with the resurrected Christ. They had an experience with the resurrected Christ, and now they can't keep quiet. 
It's not that they won't keep quiet, it's that they can't keep quiet. And when someone has a genuine encounter with the resurrected Jesus, they are so changed by that experience that fear is not strong enough to overcome their new natural impulse to tell people about that experience. When you've truly been changed by the resurrected Christ, you can't keep it to yourself. Hebrews 13, 6 says this, therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? That's a great question. What can man do? What can man do? That's why Paul says in Philippians 1, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. In other words, what, 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 what can happen to me? right? We speak boldly because what can anyone do to us? If we live, we advance Christ. If we die, we gain heaven. If we suffer, we build treasures in heaven. It's a win-win-win situation for us, right? It's a win-win-win situation. We can't lose because we're living on mission for Christ. We're living out what God has called us to do and what he's called us to be. When we really understand and experience the resurrected Christ, what is there to fear? Why would we care about the opinions of man? We've met the Christ, we've tasted, and we've seen of his love. You know the number one reason people who profess Christ don't share their faith? Fear. Fear. I actually looked up the statistic, and they break it out into subcategories, but if you take all of the things that people are afraid of and you lump it into one category, it was like 75% of the reason why people don't share their faith is fear. Fear of rejection, fear of inadequacy, we won't, won't, won't know enough, fear of breaking a relationship with someone. It's, it's fear, 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 fear. But let me paint a picture for you. Imagine it's the middle of the night. You're in your house, you wake up to smelling smoke, your house is on fire. Immediately, fear overcomes you, right? Immediately, you are overcome with fear, fear of what you'll lose, fear of your own well-being, fear for the well-being of your family, what do you do? I feel like the majority of people would recognize that in that moment, the fear that they have pales in comparison to the urgent need to act. In that moment, of course you're afraid, but that fear pales in comparison with this sense of urgency deep inside of you that says, I've got to move. I've got to get my family out of this house immediately. If you've had a genuine experience with the resurrected Jesus and surrendered your life to him, you've gained a new understanding of the world. You see and you feel and you know the urgency of the gospel. Church, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up and recognize that people in our city are going to die and spend eternity in hell because we remain silent. Because we run in place and do all the church things, but we never walk out of these walls and proclaim the fact that Jesus is the answer for everything. This new understanding gives us boldness to act, to move. Why? Because for you, the impulse of fear is weaker than your new natural impulse to proclaim truth to anyone who will listen. The next point I want to make this morning is that an experience with the resurrected Jesus brings purpose. It brings purpose. Look at the text in verse 21, the second part of it says, as the Father has sent me, 
I also send you. There it is. There's your purpose. I used to work on computers a lot. And I remember one day I was working on this computer. I spent all day trying to fix it. I spent a hundred bucks on parts and literally spent a full day trying to fix this stupid computer and nothing, it never worked. And nothing worked. It was, I expended all that work and all that money in vain, a, a complete waste. And it, that's a terrible feeling, right? Like when you spend a whole day working on something and you end the day and you realize I've accomplished absolutely nothing today. I've expended a lot of energy but I have accomplished nothing today. That is a miserable feeling, right? To spend a whole day like that. What's worse is there will be countless numbers of people who get to the end of their lives and realize they wasted it all. They will have expended their entire lives and will have meant nothing. So many people live their lives for comfort. So many live their lives for wealth. So many live their lives for power and prestige. So many live their lives for control. When your time has come, Comfort, wealth, prestige, or control, they won't matter. How much money you make today will not matter in the grand scheme of eternity. How famous you are or how uh, influential you are in this world today will not matter in the grand scheme of eternity. When you stand before Jesus, do you really want to be the one that says, hey Jesus, that life you gave me, I expended it on my own comfort. Is that what you want to stand before him one day and say? You want to say, hey, I worked really hard so my kids could live in a nice neighborhood. Or I worked really hard so they could go to a nice school or so we could go on nice family vacations or so I could retire in my 50s. I expended my life on my own comfort. I expended my life on myself. Is that what you want to stand before Jesus one day and say? Hear me when I say this, that none of those things are sinful things. It's not a sin to have a nice house. It's not a sin to make sure your kids go to a good school. Those aren't sinful things. What makes them sinful is when they become the purpose of our lives. When we orbit our lives around comfort and prosperity, we are living in sin. Why? Because when we expend our lives on the altar of comfort and prosperity, we have chosen comfort and prosperity as our God. And this is the way of the American church in 2020. So what should we live for? What should we expend our lives on? Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I also send you. He gave these guys something to aim their lives towards. What, what a gift, right? What a gift. How nice is it to know exactly what you're supposed to do? Isn't that nice? I'm the kind of guy that I'm a, I, I'm a self-starter, I'll find something to do, but it's so much easier if someone just says, here's exactly what I want you to accomplish today. Right, that's easy. You just go through the list, check, 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 right? That's what Jesus gave us. He gave us something to point our lives toward, to aim ourselves at. He gave them purpose. He, he told them, expend their lives doing what he gave his life doing. So what was Jesus' purpose? What did he expend his life doing? The answer is in Luke 19, verse 10. It says, for the son of man has come to what? To seek and save the lost. 
The Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. And just as the Father has sent Jesus, he also sends us to do the exact same thing. Not the Son of Man came to earn a good living. Not the Son of Man came to gain wealth and prosperity. Not the Son of Man came to live a good life in a good neighborhood, raising good kids. He came to seek and save the lost. And our mission today, church, if we don't wake up, we're missing it. We're supposed to go seek and save the lost. This is our mission. This is our purpose. This is the direction we should be moving. Seek and save the lost. If you're not expending your life for this purpose, listen this morning, hear me out. You are wasting it. If your life is not living on mission to seek and save the lost, you're wasting it. You only have so much time. If 2020 has taught us anything, it is that we only have so much time on this earth, right? What are you expending your life on? What are you expending your life on? Are you wasting it living for self? Are you wasting it living for your own life and your own comfort and your own prosperity? It's time for us to wake up because we've been given one mission, one focus to seek and save the lost. This is what we were saved for, to be fishers of men, to be kingdom builders. This is where we should expend our lives. Anything else is idolatry. Anything else is vanity. The final point this morning is this. An experience with the resurrected Jesus brings power. Look at verse 22. It says, after saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So these guys, they, they get boldness, they get purpose, and finally they get power. They get power. You guys remember Super Mario Brothers? Some of you like 90s kids. It was always best on Super NES, right? Can we all agree to that? That's, I feel like that's something we can all agree on, right? Once it got to Nintendo 64, it got weird. And like they were moving in 3D directions and I just didn't like it. I liked the linear, right? Just And so one of the best parts about Super Mario Brothers is you hit the block and a little star comes out and it's flashing and it lands on you and you become invincible, right? You become invincible and you can run through the scene and make it through just like that and nothing can hurt you, right? You guys remember that? That's not how the Holy Spirit works, right? How, how's that for an illustration? That's not how the Holy Spirit works. That's how a lot of people think it works. Right, a lot of people think... Well, God's going to give me this spirit and I'm going to be invincible to Satan's attacks and I'm going to be invincible. I can just go and do whatever I want to do. And when that doesn't happen, they get so disappointed. But that's never been the promise, right? The Holy Spirit is not an invincibility cloak. He doesn't make you invincible to the attacks of Satan or to pain and heartache in life. He's not some mystical power that you can invoke at will like this force in Star Wars, right? You ever a kid and like think that you had the force and you like try to move something in your house? Am I the only, okay, I'm the only weird one that would do that. All right. Y'all are all liars. Um, This is church. The Holy Spirit is not here to accomplish your will. You get that? The Holy Spirit is not here to accomplish this, to accomplish your will. He's here to accomplish the will of God. What he does do is equip and enable you to accomplish God's will for your life. In Acts 1.8, Stephen read it a while ago. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be whose witnesses? His, right? You're not your own witnesses. You're his witnesses. 
in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We receive power through the Holy Spirit so that we can be effective witnesses for Christ. That's what the power is there for. We've been assigned the task to take the good news of the gospel and spread it all over the earth. And this task is difficult. This task is overwhelming and this task is impossible in our own efforts. But Jesus gave us his spirit to empower us to accomplish this task. Listen, you can't do this on your own. You can't. There's no way that you can change someone's heart and point them towards Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But you can be an effective witness because the Holy Spirit gives you the power to be. The work of seeking and saving the lost is done in the spiritual realm. It's done in the spiritual realm. This is why so much of the Spirit, this is why we rely so much on the Spirit to do the work. We're dependent on the Spirit for our effectiveness. You get that this morning? Our effectiveness is fully dependent on the Holy Spirit. We can't program our way to seeking and saving the lost. We can't do it. You know, a lot of people in our church willing to give. Give sacrificially, give faithfully. Uh, most everybody in the church will attend anything that we do. We do one thing that we don't like to do. Pray. We don't. People get really fearful because they imagine praying as like corporate prayer, as public speaking. And people don't like just public speak, right? I don't either, but here I am, right? People don't want to public speak, but listen, that's not what prayer is. When you pray, you're not speaking to the group around you. You're speaking to God. And listen, individual prayer is biblical. You should be praying every day. But so is corporate prayer. It's biblical. When you look through Acts, what are they doing? I feel like every page you flip in Acts, the church is together in one accord, praying, lifting up their petitions to God. That's a biblical thing that the church is supposed to do. Why? Why should we do that? Because we can't do it without God. We can't do this without him. We can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. If we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, if we're not invoking God in prayer to petition him to work on our behalf and move in the hearts of people, lives will not be changed. Do you get that this morning? Listen, we set up three equip classes and we set a limit for 18. You know which one's filled up the first? Defending and sharing your faith. Maybe it's because everybody likes Julian the most. That might be true. But I really think that it's because people are, are wanting to be equipped to go and share their faith. I believe that. I believe that you're, you're excited about going and making disciples. And you want to be in that class because you want to be equipped to do what God's called you to do. But listen to me this morning. You cannot make disciples without prayer. You can't do it. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, no one's lives will be changed in Nederland. We've got to get the prayer thing right. We can't program our way to seeking and saving the lost. We can be intentional. We can be strategic, and I think those things are important. 
That's why we have equip classes. That's why we have things for kids and things for students because we're trying to be strategic. But ultimately, the battle for souls is done in the spiritual realm. And we must rely on the spirit. We must go to God in prayer, both individually and corporately. We must be a people of prayer if we want to see a revival come. How many minutes a day do you spend praying for revival? How many minutes a day do you spend praying for lost souls to see the truth of the gospel and surrender their lives to Jesus? I believe that God has a purpose and a plan for you. I believe he has a plan for us. And that plan is to seek and save the lost in Southeast Texas. I believe that God is gonna do some big stuff in and through fellowship in 2021. I believe it with everything in me. I can see it. I trust that God is gonna move despite what circumstances lie waiting for us in 2021, we can still be a church that moves. Circumstance does not change mission. You get that? A bad year doesn't give you permission to go dormant. It actually should fuel us to work harder. There is no rest for the believer. We rest when we die and we stand before Jesus and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. We can still be a church that moves, a church that is effective in our mission. We say that we exist as a church to love God, love others, and make disciples. That's who we are. That's what we're aiming at as a corporate body, right? We're, we're driving the ship towards loving God, loving others, and making disciples. We've said that we accomplish that mission by gathering, growing, giving, and going. That's how we accomplish the mission of loving God, loving others, and making disciples. Gathering is living in Christ-centered community, not just showing up on Sunday morning and hearing me preach. I told you before, there's a lot better looking, a lot better preachers out there. You can go online and listen to some really good guys. But we are a body of believers who live in Christ-centered community to do the work that we've been called to do. Growing is growing in knowledge and application, not just growing in what we know about Jesus, but growing in what we do, right? We apply what we've learned. Growing in how we give, sacrificing our time and our, and our money. Growing in, in, in how we go, being intentional about seeking out people to reach with the gospel. That's who we are as a church. That's who we are. And over the next several weeks, we're gonna unpack what each of those things mean. We're gonna look in the scriptures and see how we can move forward in each of those areas. Why? So we can get moving as a church. We gotta get this, this ship moving. We gotta get out there and start doing. You ever pushed a really heavy vehicle? The other day, I'm really bad about not getting gas. Wait until the last minute. I like to see, it's like a game. Right, like you just see how how far can I can I push it this time? And I lost in the game the other day. <laughs> Davis was with me. It was just me and Davis, and uh, luckily, 
I was like right by Walmart. And so I was turning into Walmart. We were going to get groceries. Or something. We were in the Lowe's. And as I'm pulling into right there by Walmart, uh, the truck died. Luckily, I, was, I could coast far enough. I got us really close to the thing. But then I had to get out and push it by myself because Davis wouldn't help. And uh, it's hard to get it moving, right? Even a, even a truck, like a, just a regular truck, it's hard to get moving. One time we, we were driving these big buses at, uh, at Calvary, these big 15-passenger buses, and one of them broke down. We had to push them. Man, you talk about hard. It's really hard to get those things moving. You had to get a bunch of people, and it's this, this slow start, right? You just get some momentum going. But once you get the momentum going, then you can, like, run, and it's, it's, it's a lot easier, right? Once you get the momentum going, it's, it's great. That's what we got to do as a church. We gotta get some momentum going. We gotta start moving in the right directions of loving God, loving others, and making disciples. And that's what this series is gonna be all about. Why? Because we're commissioned to move. That's what we've been commissioned for, is to move, not to sit idle, not to run in place, but to move. And so the question this morning is, are you ready to move? Are you ready to move? Are you ready for something more? Are you ready to live for a greater purpose? I want nothing more than for our church to live out this mission that God has given. I'm hungry for it. I'm hungry for it. I'm tired of living my life and seeing the church and the culture that we live in be so ineffective when we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit to radically change the world that we live in, I want to see a church that is on fire and passionate about moving and living out this gospel in their lives. I'm hungry for it. And I pray that you are too. It's going to require change. It's going to require work. It's going to require sacrifice. But the reward is far greater than the sacrifice. You have one life to live. One life. How will you Spend it. Is your encounter with the resurrected Jesus compelling you to be bold, to live on purpose, and to live in the power of the Spirit? Would you please stand with me with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Before you can even really get moving, you have to ask yourself the question that have you ever really had a genuine encounter with the resurrected Christ? To be, to live this life on mission that we're talking about, you have to first surrender your life to Jesus and make him the Lord of your life. So this morning, if, if you've never done that, my prayer, my hope for you is that in this moment, God is speaking to your heart and that you will surrender your life to Christ. You will make him the Lord of your life, that you will make him the king of your heart. And if that's something that you've never thought about or something you want to know more about, here in a moment, the band's going to start singing. And there's going to be a couple of people down here in front. We would love an opportunity to talk to you about that. We'd love an opportunity to, to, to point in scripture and show you what it really means to surrender your life to Jesus, what it really means to be a Christian, what it really means to, to, to give Jesus every part of you, every aspect of your life so that he can change your life so that he can change your heart, so he can change your affections and the things that you long for in this life, so he can cause you to see the truth of this gospel. If you've never made him the Lord of your life, please allow us an opportunity to have that conversation with you. In this room this morning, the majority of us 
Christians, most long time Christians. Many of us got saved when we were kids. Many of us have been saved for years. But when we evaluate what we're expending our lives on, can we be honest and say that we're spending our lives on the mission that God gave us of seeking and saving the lost? The answer to that question for you is that you've been distracted and wasting your life, then and you can, you can change it this morning. You can change your focus this morning. And, and the way that you do that is you just ask God to change your heart. Ask God to change your heart and resolve today to start moving. My prayer, my hope is that we as the Fellowship Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas would not be a church that run in place, not a church that's defined by our programs, but a church that's defined by our mission. Is that you? It can't happen corporately. You realize that, right? We can't be a church defined by our mission if we aren't a people defined by our mission. If you're not living it out individually in your own life, it will not be a corporate thing. It has to start in your own heart. And so my prayer this morning is if you recognize that you have not been expending your life on the things that matter, if you've not been living your life to seek and save the lost, my prayer is that you would kneel before God this morning and ask him to change your heart, to change your affections, to change the things in your life that you expend your life on. There are altars down here. And these altars serve a purpose. It's, it's a place where you can come down, get on your knees and pray before God. is that that our hearts would be burdened for the loss that we would find ourselves at these altars every Sunday praying for the lost in our community God we we thank you for this day we thank you for this time God we thank you for the gospel Thank you for the good news that we've been made new, that we are a new creation with new affections, with new hearts, God. And I pray that in this moment, that this would be a turning point for us as a people, that we would change the the, the focus of our lives to, to be focused on what we're called to be, to be a people that live to seek and save the lost we wouldn't be a people that, that run in place and do all the church things, but we would be a, a people that really live this out in our community, that we proclaim the good news of what's been done inside of our hearts. God, I pray that you would change us. God, I pray if anyone here doesn't know you, that they would make that decision this morning. God, I pray that everyone in this room, that this, that starting today, that we would just be broken for the lost. Give us a passion and a zeal for the lost our community. Should we pray? Amen. Thank you so much for listening, and we always welcome you to join us at Fellowship Church in Nederland, Texas, where we gather, grow, give, and go.